Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the active skin repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the show. I'm Deanna Yates, and you are listening to episode 176 of the Wannabe Clutter-Free podcast. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Stephanie Rosenfield about living in a way that allows us to thrive instead of just survive, or worse, go through life angry by finding our minimum enoughness. She and I have so many similar approaches to topics, but it's always nice to get a reminder because, as she points out, we are only human, and that means we don't always do things right the first time, or maybe even the second or the third. But we can lean into the things that work for us and our families and let go of those things that don't. She also has some really amazing concrete ideas, some of which are truly unique, that you can put into practice right away. So I hope you will leave today's conversation fired up to tap into what lights you up so that you can show up as the amazing person, partner, and parent that you are. But before we get into our conversation, I want to say thank you for joining me today. I am so grateful you are here. And if you enjoy what you hear, can you please do me a favor and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it? You can share it via text or email if you are listening on your phone, or you can even share it on social media. It helps me get the word out about how letting go of your clutter can free you up to a world of possibilities that you never imagined possible. And I am on a mission to spread this message to as many women as I can, because I think the world filled with women who believe in themselves would be an amazing place, don't you? And speaking of amazing women, let's learn more about my guest this week. Stephanie Rosenfield is a former speech pathologist turned life coach for overwhelmed moms. She helps her clients navigate the internal and external chaos that often creeps up during motherhood without losing their ish. Using firsthand experience, training as a certified life coach, and an honest, judgment-free approach, Stephanie helps moms shift their habits and mindsets to become the calm AF mom they always hoped they could be. Give this episode a listen, and when you're done, head over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 176 to get the show notes for today's episode with links to Stephanie's website and her abundant free resources. Again, you can find it all at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 176. And now let's get to our conversation. Well, hi, Stephanie. Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. We were chatting a little bit before the show started, and I am really excited for today's conversation. I was under the weather last month. I feel like I am playing catch up. And so today we're talking about minimum enoughness, and I think this is going to be a really great topic for myself, and I know this time of year is so busy for moms. But before we hop into all of that, 
tell us about you. How do you help busy families? Who are you? Give us a little bit more about you. Yes. So I am Stephanie Rosenfield. I am a pediatric speech therapist turned mom coach. And for anyone out there who's wondering, what is a mom coach? Essentially, I describe myself as your non-judgmental, compassionate friend who also happens to have the tools to help you lose your cool less at your family, be more present, and enjoy parenting, enjoy motherhood. I started out as a speech therapist, so I had this extensive background in early childhood development, and I was going into families' homes. I was seeing kids in schools, and this is before I had kids. And what I really noticed during that time is while all these kids were getting the supports that they really needed, there was a lack of support for parents, specifically moms. So day after day, I would see these stressed out, anxious, overwhelmed moms, and they just weren't getting the help that they deserved or needed. Fast forward to me becoming a mom. Now I have two boys. But at the time in 2017, I was a first time mom and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be awesome at this. I have this background in early childhood development. I work with kids. I'm going to be awesome. And I had my first son and I realized I know nothing. Like, this is hard. This is overwhelming. I found myself getting annoyed over things that I never cared about before, like dirty dishes in the sink Mm -hmm. or a messy toy-filled living room. And during that time, I was also like losing it on my husband and my son. And it just felt so terrible. Simultaneously, my family, unfortunately, was dealing with a really big trauma, a, a really big trauma in our family. So I found myself late at night. What, what does someone do when they need to know something? You Google it. I found myself Googling how to be happy. Mm. And podcasts and books and things popped up that, that were new to me that wasn't therapy. So through that, I found my first life coach and I hired her. And she taught me things, tools, that changed my life. I started to enjoy my time with my family, lose my cool less, be more patient and present, look forward to the weekends with my son and my husband. So after that, I had sort of this light bulb moment of every mom that I know and I don't know needs to have these tools. Like every mom needs to learn this so that they can have this too. So I went back through like a year-long coaching certification program. I got a 10-month nervous system practitioner training. And I've been on this journey ever since of working with myself and now over 100 moms to achieve what I achieved and, and get the help that I, I really desperately wanted. Oh, I love it. I love that this stemmed from what you were going through, right? And I love that journey. I think it's so relatable no offense, but life kicks our butt, right? Especially when we think we're going to, we're like, yeah, we got this. I'm going to nail this. That is just, oh my gosh, I am right there with you. I totally understand that because it does feel like, yeah, yeah. And it's also a good reminder too of when you're getting advice from other people, have they been there? Do they understand what I'm going through? So I am excited about that aspect about today because yes, you have been there. You are walking the walk. You have the Google searches late at night trying to figure it all out. And then I love that you did it, right? You took the bull by the horns, whatever that saying is, and you did it. And you just said, I'm going to figure this out because, yeah, what was the opposite? What was the other alternative? Be miserable? Well, it's not worth doing that for life. So let's figure that out. All right. So talk us through what does minimum enoughness mean? Okay, I love this question, and it's a concept that I teach all of my clients and I use in my own life. Essentially, it is defining what is my enough. Most of us go around, my clients, every day thinking about all the ways, all the things that we haven't done. I haven't done this at work. I'm not doing this for my kids. The house is a mess. I, I miss that activity. I miss my daughter's dance recital. All the ways that we aren't enough. So what I work with my clients and what I recommend to anyone listening is concretely deciding, writing down, it could be in each area in your life, it could be for a day, what is my enough? Okay, I'm going into work today. What three things for whatever it is will I get done that is my enough? 
I can give you an example. I had a client every night who, after cooking the kids' dinner, making their lunches for the next day, was desperate to go upstairs and have time for herself. But her living room and kitchen was like a hot mess. Hmm. So she would spend the time cleaning the counters and the sink and the living room, putting all the toys away. And inevitably, the next morning, the kids would go downstairs at 8 o'clock and 8.05. Everything would look exactly like it did yesterday, like the night before. So we talked about, what do you what do you want to be doing? She said, I want to be sitting in my bed, talking to my husband and reading a book. So we decided together with her, what is my enough to go upstairs for the night? And she said for her, it was a clean sink. That was her, if the sink is clean and the dishes are in the dishwasher, that is enough for me. And so what we did is she tried that and we gathered evidence and she came back to me the next week and she just, you could see the relief that her her ability to be able to read her book and do something for herself just created that much more space to be nicer to her family the next day because she was doing something for herself. So when I talk about minimum enough, it's really defining and, and getting clear, what is my enough? Okay. Do you have any steps we can do to kind of break that down for ourselves if we are sitting there going, well, I don't even know what that means for me? Yes. I would first start off with the categories in your life where you feel like you're not enough, right? For some people, it could be like work, home, kids, and then kids activities or kids appointments. And then... It could be on, it depends how you work, right? Each person is so individual. It could be at the beginning of the week. It could be each day. It could be an overarching, this is my new way, right? For that mom, that was her new way of going to bed at night. Like I do the sink. And you get to decide for each one. Let's say it's the kids' activities, right? You have summer camp to sign up for a soccer or like this that like you have that never ending list in your head that we Mm -hmm. all have I have to do this I have to do this I have to do this which just increases the anxiety and the overwhelm by you concretely writing down on a day or a week basis if I do these three four things that is enough I, I have succeeded okay love that okay great looking at your schedule seeing what you do Going through and saying, okay, maybe these are the things that I love to do. I wish I could do more of. These are the things I really hate doing. Figuring out either one, can you delegate them to someone else or can you take them off your list completely? And then maybe even having that bucket of here are the things I wish I could be doing. How can I work them into my day? Does that seem like the right track? (laughs) It definitely does. And what you said there are saying no and delegating are two things that I teach my clients and identifying what it is they want to do. I'm not sure if you've heard of Eve Rodsky. She wrote Fair Play, which is about a book helping couples balance the workload. She found something super interesting was that it's not just about the amount of hours that women spend more than men, right? It's not just the amount of hours, but it's about the specific tasks that they do that can be a factor on women's mental health. So not about the, just the time, but also about the specific tasks that they're doing. So it's a big deal what you're spending your time doing, right? It's a big deal if you're spending your time doing these tasks, like this mom cleaning the kitchen or putting away the laundry instead of doing something for herself that could contribute to the mental health. So two ways to make sure that you are utilizing your time in a way that you want to is the delegating, mm-hmm. right? What do I want to do less of? For example, the mom who thinks, and this is so pervasive, it's so normal to, to think I should be making a home-cooked meal, yeah. right? I have the yeah. time. I This is something I should be doing. Well, that mom who is making the home-cooked meal who thinks that she should be doing it if she's getting stressed out and scrambling and reacting to her kids because she's scrambling for this home-cooked meal. It's not really achieving the result that she wanted. She's doing it instead of doing something else that she wants to do. So what can I delegate? So a partner make the meal. Can I order in that night? Can I write what what can I say? Right. 
Like I love meal kits, honestly, because they do allow you to do that moment of I am still cooking it, right? It feels like a really, it feels like a cheat code to me, right? Like where I still get to be the one participating and doing it and making the thing, but it took off the responsibility of planning, shopping, and sometimes it can take off the a lot of the prep work of it. I think too, it's not just the going out to eat because I feel a lot of anxiety around that because or guilt because it's well, it's really expensive sometimes and it's not always the healthiest. And then also it still doesn't really save me much time. The fact that I still have to order it, I still have to go there to pick it up. We still have to, there's some planning still. It's not like I decide at 530, okay, let's go pick something up. I feel like there I'm still struggling with actually doing the thing or getting the result that I want. But then also, yes, having that moment of the responsibility of it. I think that comes, that I've been noticing a lot in my life too. It's not just the task itself. It's the responsibility of the task. Because if you're still responsible, I'm using quotes here, responsible for getting it done, I feel like you're still, that mental load is still there, right? That's what I I took away from that fair playbook is it's not just the task itself. It's all the extra stuff that is unseen that goes along with that task. Yes. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. And I hear that all the time and I feel that too. And it's about, and what I love about the minimum enoughness is that while it takes some forethought, right? You're not just reacting oh, sure. in the moment. Yeah. It takes some forethought. It's that this is what I'll give you an example. My husband's going away this weekend, right? He's going on a guy's trip to Arizona and I'm with the kids. So I'm thinking ahead of time, what is enough for me for Saturday and Sunday for meals? Okay. I am going to do the frozen waffles for breakfast. We have some grilled chicken for lunch and I'm going to order out dinner. I'm going to order pizza because that's easy. So that is enough for me. And Sunday, maybe we'll do two meals out. I'm going to make this easy and help me be successful and have a fun weekend with my kids versus the a good mom should, we should be outside because it's beautiful and do all these apple orchard, (laughs) park, playground activities. Well, Sunday afternoon, we'll sit, we're going to, we're going to watch some extra TV. Because again, I will be a less reactive, happier mom knowing that I'm doing what I can handle. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, Stephanie will share one super unconventional way one of her clients took back time for herself so she could be a better mother to her daughter. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where Earn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress. With Earn In, you can pull up to $100 per day or up to $750 each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the EarnIn app, verify your paycheck, and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip, and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than 3.5 million users are finding relief and a sense of security with EarnIn, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind, it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Clutter under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under Podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, 
wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. And I've had other clients. I had another client, and I, I loved this story. She, her daughter was in daycare, and she would work until work her little butt off until 4 p.m., and stop work early just to pick her daughter up early for daycare. Because what does a good mom do? A good mom should pick her daughter up before the daycare, an hour before daycare closes to spend time with her. So she was rushing to pick her daughter up. And from the moment her daughter would get in the car, it would be stress, reaction, meltdowns. And this mom would get so frustrated because she wanted to spend more time with her, but the time was not fun. And then she would have to end up working after the daughter went to bed. So what we discussed is, and what she decided is, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to be a detective. This is not to be my new normal, but I'm going to try to do something for myself. I'm going to watch an hour of Grey's Anatomy from four to five, and then I'm going to pick my daughter up for 5.15. I'm going to try it out, do something for me. And what she noticed was that the nights were so much better. She was in such a better place with her daughter. The time. It wasn't about the time, the hours, but it was about the quality of that time, which was so much more enjoyable. So it can seem counterintuitive as a mom, I should, a good mom does. Yeah. And what's really cool that I talk about with my clients too is being the detective. Listen, you try this once, you try it twice. It doesn't have to be your new normal. We can always say, hey, let's, we can trash this, but just see what happens. See how you feel. Yeah. I love it. I love that it was something so out of the box, right? Because no way, I mean, mom or no mom, no way do most people say, okay, I'm going to take an hour for myself and watch a TV show, right? And that's going to put me in the right place. But if that works for her, fantastic. I mean, that's, I love how just out there that one is. That's so great. Because yeah, that's not necessarily something you would think of. You're going to hear you should meditate or read a book or listen to a podcast as a podcaster. Sure, listen to a podcast. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> I know that most people listen to my show when they are doing something else, right? They're cleaning. They are in the middle of multitasking something else. And so they're hopefully getting some information that will help them with those tasks. But I love that idea of just what is it for you? What can you take? What is it that lights you up, that calms you down, that gives you that space to be the amazing person that you are. Oh, I love that. That's so great. And allowing it to be, oh, I can't watch a show. I'm a mom. I have work to do. I can have the kitchen to clean. I have all these things to do. But what, right? And again, it's taking stock, being that detective. What do I notice about how I feel, my interactions with my kids, my interactions with my partner after doing this thing? Right. What is the evidence? What is the outcome of it? Right. Because what was the main goal? The main goal was to spend time connecting with your daughter. It wasn't just to spend time with your daughter. It was to spend time connecting and being that mom you wanted her, her to look up to and be excited to be around and want to be there and everybody to enjoy that time. So good. So interesting. All right. So that whole thing was talking about responding instead of reacting to our kids. I want to jump down to that question. I know I had this one a sure. little bit later. But yeah, since we're kind of talking about that, how can we do more of that? How can we do more of that responding instead of reacting? Because I know sometimes, especially if your kiddos are your mini-me's and they're a lot like you, hand raised over here, there can be a little bit there can be a little tension or the way they respond to you, you're oh, either ouch, it's an interesting one for me to have come up into my face and I'm looking in a mirror, or two, like, why do you like, why are you so mean to me? <laughs> so okay. let's yeah. talk about those two. <laughs> okay. Awesome. I, I love this question. So there's two parts to this. First is what I call my three buckets of emotional management. 
Okay. So that's the first part of how to respond instead of react. And so there's two parts. And when I talk about the three buckets of emotional management, someone may be thinking, what does that even mean, emotional management? Right. Essentially, what I mean is being in control of yourself and how you respond in a tricky situation. Let's imagine this may sound like many homes, my homes, clients' homes. It's morning time. Kids need to get out the door to school. You're busy packing the lunches. No one's listening to you to get their shoes on. They're playing with each other. They're fighting. All of a sudden, you just feel like this burning sensation and you react, right? You yell, you can threaten, like all the things. So when I talk about emotional management, I don't mean being calm. I don't mean that. I mean being in control so that instead of going from zero to panic, you create space to decide, all right, how do I want to respond here? So the first bucket I like to call emotional diffusion. And essentially, it's being in the face of that triggery situation. We can go back to that morning, feeling your body tense like you're about to blow and gaining back control, gaining back control. As humans, we play off each other. So the moment that you dysregulate, like the moment that you respond to your kids in that way of, you may see this every morning, the moment that you respond and react and threaten, you you may see their dysregulation, their behaviors increase also. So the first step of this, of emotional diffusion, is what I call the Ferris Bueller freeze. If you've ever seen the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, he talks, or, or Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. They talk to the camera and everything around them freezes. So I want you to imagine being that mom in that morning. In that moment, you do the Ferris Bueller freeze. Everything is still a little chaotic, but you freeze. And then you go to step two, which is name the feeling that you're feeling. You can say it out loud. You could say it internally. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling frustrated. So you name what you are feeling in the moment. And then you go to step three, which is what I call changing the internal story. Because at that moment, your mind is, this is so dysfunctional. I'm going to be late. I have to do everything here. No one cares about me. I'm always the one to do it. They're all, all those thoughts are spiraling. Hmm. So, and again, I'm not saying slap a happy thought on an annoying situation, but it could be, this is frustrating, but I can cope with this. I will get through this. So many other moms are experiencing this right now. This is normal. I don't like it, but this is normal. And then after step three, you go to step four, which is decide, right? You'll already start feeling better after you reach step three, right? You'll be like, okay, I feel a little more back in control. So I can do step four, which is decide what do I need to do here? What do I, how do I want to respond? And that can be one of many things. One could be depending on the situation, you leave the room for a minute. If your kids are old enough, I need a minute just to calm my body. I'll be back. What I like about these three buckets is that Essentially, we want our kids to be doing this. We want our kids to be in the face of a triggery situation and be able to have an in-control response. So we, as parents, as moms, need to be the ones who are modeling it. And that sort of leads to my second bucket after decide, which is different communication. So once you have control over how you're feeling, the next step is to communicate differently. And no one really ever told us or taught us how can I communicate that right. isn't reacting, that isn't totally, I don't know, I'm using my hands, putting it together, reacting or like just ignoring. And I have a good example of this. I have a client who has three kids and every night she would make dinner, a home-cooked dinner, and she would yell downstairs to them, guys, time for dinner. She would yell from the top of the stairs. Inevitably, night after night, no one would listen, no one would come up and she would get so frustrated. She would go downstairs and why isn't anyone like all the things? So we talked about different communication. I asked her, okay, let's imagine that you are watching the season finale of one of your favorite show. Let's say it's Real Housewives. And your husband's behind you and he's saying something, he's talking. And all of a sudden he comes into your face and he's like, why aren't you listening to me? I said we had to go. You'd be like, wait, what, what just happened here? Most of the time, our kids, they're not listening because they want to, right? annoy us. They're in the middle of doing something. They, it's really hard to concentrate on two things at once. So I asked my client, in that situation, how would you have wanted your partner to come and talk to you? Okay. You think of nonverbal. You make eye contact. A softer tone of voice. Touch me on the shoulder. Treat me as like an, a human, as an equal. Type, hey, I know you're in the middle of your show. I told my mom we'd be there at 530. How much longer do you need? And again, with our kids, it could just be 
hey, I know you're having fun playing this game. Again, eye contact, tone of voice, facial expressions, touching them. Dinner's ready. I'll give you two more minutes, and then it's time to come up. You can think about that messy morning, right? The crazy morning. And if you're over, if a mom is making lunch, it's recognizing, okay, I'm going to stop multitasking. I'm going to go over to my kids. I'm going to make the eye contact, put my hand on their shoulder. And once you diffuse, once you're, again, not feeling that anger or annoyance, it's more accessible to you to communicate in a different way. Yeah. So that's the second bucket. Let's pause for another quick break. And when we come back, I'll talk about how I use this diffuse method in our morning routine. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Yeah, that's fantastic. I do find myself definitely doing that in the morning, like to wake our daughter up. It's still very much, okay, it's morning. And lately she's been wanting me to open the blinds to kind of help her get up a little bit too. So it's okay. I'll give you two more minutes. That's our routine. Hi, good morning. Okay, two more minutes. I open the blinds and then and then I come back and sometimes it's five minutes. It doesn't no one's really paying attention to the clock at that point. But I do try to be a little bit more because I thought that too, right? Who wants to get up like you always see on the movies, like they're ripping the sheets off. Get up. What a terrible way to start your day. Oh, my gosh. So it's interesting. It's interesting that I can do this in some areas, right? So easily, so naturally, not even think about it. And then sometimes I find myself in other areas where... You just, I don't know, it just doesn't come as naturally. So it's just interesting. So thanks. I love that. And you're human. Uh, You're human, right? I'm over here. I'm not like, I, and again, with clients, I identify what are the hardest parts of the day? Where are you seeing this pop up the most so that you can start practice it? But part of this is humanity. Sometimes I react. There's sometimes I don't do this. It's like tipping the scales though. It's okay. Maybe that's less often than it used to be. It's less often at the time. Of course, it still happens. Of course. Everyone out there, right? Like, of course, it still happens. So it's human and that's that's to be expected. Yes, that's true. That is true. Okay, so we talked about, I love that Ferris Bueller freeze too, like the fourth wall. Hello. (laughs) I love that moment because it does, it's an easy way to say life is all happening. Just take a minute, a breath, pause, think about it for a second. So I love that. That one's super fun. And then of course, yeah. Being able to change that into her own story. I remember thinking at one point, she has her own things going on or whatever, even if it's not just your children, but like just people in general. Like generally, if something happens and it upsets you, that person wasn't doing it to you in particular. It's just a reaction for whatever they had going on in their day. Right. And yes, like you said, not just putting on the rosy picture of, oh, it's great. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Thinking too, what if this isn't about me? Right. What if this is what else could be happening that they're having this reaction or they're acting this way or right? Maybe they're involved in it. Just that story of coming down the stairs to say it's dinner time. Yeah. Right. The kids could be involved in a game. They could be watching a show. 
They could be, I mean, whatever, reading a book, doing their homework, whatever. And they just didn't hear it because they're wrapped up in what they're doing. They're not doing it to offend you. It's not purposefully at you. (laughs) It's just sometimes things just happen. We're all human and we all get caught up in our own things. Yeah, I love that idea, like changing that internal story. Because yes, you're coming from your own perspective. And so like, why are you doing this to me? And it's, well, it's not to you. It's just you're the person on the other end asking them to do something different. Yeah. 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 And I can quickly share that third bucket that I can just, yeah. And yes, I'll quickly share the third bucket, which is self-confidence. And it's not like a Mm. Vogue article on how to be confident. What I mean by self-confidence is essentially learning how to have your own back as a mom and love the decisions that you're making for your family and your kids based on who they are. And this is where this is a world right now where everything you can go on social media, on Google, on everything to find what is the right answer. And I remember being a new mom and I would even should I sleep train or not? And there are people with PhDs with research saying, here's a reason not to. And there are people with PhDs and all this research saying, here's the reason to. So being able to figure out what is my opinion? What do I think? I had a client who her son is in fourth grade and they were at soccer and there was a spray bottle and the kids thought the spray bottle had water in it, but actually had a chemical and they sprayed it at another kid. The kid was fine, right? Everything oh. was okay, but it was a scary moment, right? Everything was fine. The, the boy was fine. But the, my client saw there were two boys who did it. The one mom respond in a way that was that mom's way. And in that moment, she's like, is that the way I should respond to my child in this moment? And she recognized, no. I know how I want to parent my child in this moment based on my values, just how we do it. So when I say self-confidence, it's having your own back in your decisions and how you want to parent or knowing your kids in your family without looking, and again, without looking at the noise around you. Okay. How do you recommend we sit in that because that is scary sometimes once yeah yeah <laughs> so in how the, do we build the, up that self-confidence that's a really good question it's taking stock of what are my values right as a human i value compassion or educate like whatever your values are and making the decisions from there and part of this is knowing that who you are, like you are a good mom. And I'll give you another example. I had a, another client who they would go on this beach vacation and with and this other mom at every beach outing would sit in the sand and play with the kids. And my client was just like, that's not my thing. But every year I feel so guilty that I'm not doing that with my kids that I'd rather sit in the chair and read my book. So through coaching during that next vacation, she was like, I had such a win. I was able to be on that vacation on that beach in the sand and read my book while knowing I'm a good mom and I do so many things with my kids and it's okay that they're having fun with this other mom. They're still having fun and I don't need to be a part of it. I'm still a good mom, even if that's not my jam. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's really good. I can see that happening a lot. And yeah, and it's okay that not everything is your jam. Oh, we need to hear that. We need to hear that all the time. I love that. That is great. Yeah, because, yes. yeah, I do. It's so easy to get caught up in those shoulds, right? You're sitting there and you're enjoying your moment and you finally have a moment to sit and enjoy your own beach vacation. And yeah, if you don't want to be playing in the sand, it's going to cause resentment if you do go play in the sand later. Oh, that was so good. So good. Okay. So one other thing you talked about. One, oh, yeah. good. No, good. No, go. I was going to say, and that one, it does take a muscle. It does take practice because, again, I think we're, our brains, we're so trained to uh, other people's opinions matter more. This is how we were brought up, right? Yeah. I, how My essays are graded by teachers who have an opinion about my writing. My opinion doesn't matter as strongly as others. So it's a mm-hmm. shift. Of course, you think that way now because it's societal. It's how we were brought up. So it, it's a shift. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about those expectations. So we tend to internalize a lot of these external expectations on ourselves. Any tips? What, are, what do you recommend for not doing that? Yeah. Okay. I love that question. And 
this comes down to, again, we're not even recognizing what we're picking up. You can be on Instagram or Pinterest or any of these, and all of a sudden you're like, my pantry is a hot mess because it doesn't look like the organized, this organized person. My living room needs a complete makeover. This mom is at pumpkin picking and apple picking while we're sitting in our cat. Like, I'm not doing enough, right? So it, it makes mm-hmm. sense that we're internalizing it because it's so all-encompassing. It's so all-encompassing. So I want to say if that sounds like you, there's nothing wrong with you. This is human. It's something that we're all battling. It's the recognition of or the deeper understanding of who I am is enough, right? What I like is okay. What I want to do here is okay. And I can give you the example of you're on social media. You see this other family at this like beautiful beach vacation, right? You're like, oh, like we're sitting in our house. And that's very relatable, right? Like looking at others and I wish I should, we don't. In that moment or being able to catch yourself, comparison is normal. We all do it. The recognition of I may not be there, but we also do fun things. Mm-hmm. I may not be at this specific beach vacation, but you know, what? we went to the beach like two hours away. Mm-hmm. We also do fun things. My my pantry is organized enough. It, yeah. It's just that, right? Like, it's okay. Yeah. And the decluttering, you probably do this with moms too. One of the things that I talk about is sometimes it's an indication of a well-loved home. My pantry is an indication that my kids are well-fed, that they are happy, that we have this home that people live in, that people are experiencing love. Yeah, totally. And I would like to put it out there that my pantry does not look like the inter- Instagram Pinterest pantries. And I still do feel like I consider myself a wannabe minimalist. I have a lot less stuff than a lot of people. But again, sometimes those standards are too darn high <laughs> and it's OK. And you know what, though, if that's your jam and you love it, like absolutely go for it. If that lights you up, that is wonderful. I do love having a clean house, not having a ton of stuff around. That makes it easier for my house to function. But I don't have to have all of those other things in order for me to feel good about my house. Is it nice and sometimes to have those organized systems, those organizing systems? Absolutely. But it can be something that you work toward, just like you're saving, if you're saving for that beach vacation, right? You also can say, okay, this is a work in progress. This month or this quarter, I'm going to work on our kitchen and I'm going to get the things that I want in our kitchen to have it be organized and together. Yeah, I love that. I love that concept of minimum enoughness that we talked about at the beginning, your values, what makes you happy, what actually lights you up can relate to so many different areas in your life. And I was talking earlier about how I was under the weather last month, and so I've fallen really behind. But what also happened was I was spending a lot more time on my phone because I was just like, I just don't feel good, right? So I was scrolling a lot more, and I noticed that I was feeling a lot more discontent. Because I was finding that, yeah, I was bombarded with all of these beautiful pictures of people doing all these things that seemed really fun. And I was feeling behind and definitely getting up in that comparison trap for sure. It's always a good moment of just taking a breath, kind of recalibrating. And we actually, we were gone this last weekend on a little road trip. So it was nice. I love road trips for opportunities to chat with my husband because you just kind of get stuck. Like part of the trip, we don't even have service. And so it's nice. Our daughter's in the back watching her show or whatever. And then we have some time where we don't generally get hours on end to sit next to each other and have these conversations. And it was really nice to have a moment of like recalibration over the weekend and I get back to it. But yeah, you're right. That comparison, always the thief of joy. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up just about your experience because there is actually research that shows even if you follow like cute puppy dog accounts, people get off social media feeling worse. Even if you're following the happy news puppy account. So just again, recognizing it's not that there's nothing wrong with this is how our brain works. This is how it's designed. This is how social media is designed. So just even the awareness of that. Oh, well, good. 
All right. Well, Stephanie, this has been wonderful. And I know listeners are going to have gotten a lot out of it. You gave us so many tips and steps. I love those three buckets. Decide, different communication, and the self-confidence piece. I think I got those right. I know Decide had a few little extra buckets leading up to it. But I think those were your main three. Did I get them right? Yeah. Yep. A diffusion, decide, yeah. Communicate. Cool. Okay, cool. What are they again? Name them just so I can. Oh, yeah. Okay. Within emotional diffusion, I have four steps. Freeze, feel, diffuse, decide. And then I have different communication and self-confidence as the other bucket. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay, Does that good. make sense? I have it yeah, down. sorry. That's exactly how you I did. have it written down you on did. my paper. You were good. <laughs> perfect. Okay, great. Well, this is like I said, this has been wonderful. So where can people find you if they want to find out more? Yeah, they can come hang out with me on Instagram at stephanie.rosenfield. Or if you're interested in a bunch of free resources, you can find me at stephaniercoaching.com backslash consult. You can learn about working with me one-on-one. And I also have a bunch of free things there. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure we link to those in the show notes in case, like I said, people are cleaning or decluttering or driving and they don't want to stop and write them down. They'll be in the show notes. So just click on over and you can find out more about Stephanie and get those awesome resources. But my favorite way to end each show is with three rapid fire questions. So the first one is, what does clutter free mean to you? Right now, it means internally having the space to respond, internally feeling clutter free to have the space to respond. Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh, I like that. I've got to put it somewhere where I put all of these together at some point. That one's a really good one. I like it. Number two, what is one thing that you want listeners to take away from today's show? That you are doing a great job just by being here, just by listening to this podcast. You are, you're like, you're awesome. You're doing great. Oh, I love that too. And then number three, what is making you happy right now or in this season of your life? In this season of my life, I am naturally an introvert, but I have been practicing socializing. So I have been doing one thing a week with another mom, whether it be dinner, a walk, or a play date, very purposely. So that's really lighting me up right now. Ooh, tell me a little bit more about that. I know it's rapid fire, but I like this idea. Yeah. Yeah, So in my goal of 2024 or 2023, after the pandemic and everything, it was really how can I build my community or socialize or meet more people like as a mom, as a human. And it was really uncomfortable, right? It's really uncomfortable. But I started putting myself out there, texting people and asking them to get dinner or do a play date, knowing that some may say no, right? Which they did and not taking that personally, asking again and looking at my calendar and being like, okay, this week, this is the social thing. This is the thing that I am doing and putting something on my calendar each week, which again, coming from someone who I'm like, I'm all right, staying, I'm all right, not doing this, felt very uncomfortable. But it really, I have seen the fruits of my labor and some like nice new friendships and connections that I've made. Oh, I like this idea. I am naturally an extrovert. But yeah, I mean, everybody right now, I feel like kids stuff is starting to get our daughter is tense with her friends. They're starting to get really busy. So the parents are busy. They, a lot of our friends have two kids. So there's so many activities and all these things juggling. And so it is hard to find that time to get together with other moms. And we're somewhat new to the area. And people that have grown up here and have their lifelong friends or their high school friends or college friends or family in town, it's harder to connect. And oh, because we don't have those things here. We don't have family in town. I don't have, I didn't go to high school or college around here. So I don't have those long-term connections. I don't work in an office. Neither my husband or I work in an office. So he has he works for a very small company and I'm a pretty much one-woman show over here with some outside help. So it's not like I have a lot of that connection outside. Oh, I love this idea. Well, try it out. Let me know how it goes. Rapid fire is lots of fun. Sorry about that, everyone. We extended it a bit. But thank you so much, Stephanie, for coming on the show. This was wonderful. I really loved connecting and so many similar ideas. So I know it's just going to be very helpful for those that listen to the show. Anyway, I hope you have a wonderful fall and we'll chat soon. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Cheers. Wasn't that a great episode? I love connecting with other women who are passionate about helping others. And she's someone who's been there, so she knows what it's like on the other side of that frustration, anger, and overwhelm. 
But I would absolutely love to hear your thoughts on this episode. What is something you can do to fill up your cup? Do you have a should that you should let go of? I would love to know so that I can cheer you on your journey. Comment on this post on Instagram or send me a DM. I'm wannabe clutter free on all the social channels or come over to wannabe minimalist family group on Facebook and share with the community. There will be a discussion thread for this episode and we would love to chat with you in the comments. And you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a comment on this episode in Spotify or a comment on YouTube. And remember, if you know someone who could use a little minimum enoughness in their life, go ahead and share this episode with them. It might just be the thing that they need today. Of course, special thanks to Stephanie for joining us on the show today and sharing her journey and giving us some amazing tips to try in our own lives. I'm going to be exploring how I can reset in the 15 to 30 minutes before our daughter gets home every day so that I am more centered, focused, and ready for that quality time. Remember, you can get more detailed show notes by heading over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 176. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 176 to find out more about Stephanie and get access to her resources. And as always, thank you for joining me today. With that, I hope you have an amazing day and I will see you back here next week for another guest episode. I will be talking with Anya Dunham about setting up our home environments to function better for life with a baby and beyond. She's an ecologist and has some amazing tips for how you can get your home to work for you instead of against you. It's gonna be a great show, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. Until next time, take care, think clutter-free, and remember, I believe in you. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wannabe Clutter-Free. I'll see you next week. Cheers. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.